Thank you, guys. We will, we will miss you. Did you want to say anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> we will miss you so much. Um, let's, I want to just talk for a few minutes, and then the team are going to come, and we're just going to have an extended time of worship. But I just wanted to just kind of lay a foundation for our worship and speak into the, speak into the subject of grace. So let's read together, shall we, one of my favorite passages from Ephesians chapter 2. Um, it doesn't start so happy, but it gets there in the end. <laughs> Is that up on the screen? Yes, that's right. And you were dead. Say dead. You were dead in the trespasses, which is the, the things that we've done wrong when we've broken God's law, and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. It's a happy story so far. <laughs> but God. One of the greatest two words. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he may show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. What a passage. Why don't you just turn to maybe get some two, groups of two or three and just answer two questions. What does this passage tell us about God and what does it tell us about people? And we're perhaps uh, on visuals tomorrow. You can just uh, flick between those two slides. Just maybe get into groups of two or three. What does it tell you about God? What does it tell you about people? Make sure no one's left alone. Maybe you could pull, pull people in. Maybe you guys could pull the lady in next to you. That'd be great. Introduce yourselves.
What does it tell us about God? What does it tell us about people? What does it tell us about us? Why don't you turn back this way? Why don't, you, why don't we shout out from where we are? What does it tell us about God? He is good. <laughs> Anyone else? He is faithful. Thank you, Roy. He is faithful, yeah? He is merciful. He is rich in mercy, yeah. Anything else? He's the king that we want. He's the king that we want, yeah. A little bit of politics there, yes. He's full of love. Out of his great love flows his mercy, yes. What else? Say again. He is gracious. He is gracious. He's so different to how we think of him before we know him. He is so different. He is full of grace. Anyone else? Oh, say again. He is kind. Out of his love, out of his kindness. Yeah, over here. He is forgiving. Yeah, he's wanting us to come home and, and know him through Christ. Yeah, anyone else? Say again. Kindness. He's not judgmental. No, he will judge, but that's not his spirit. That's not his heart. Yeah, very good. What does it tell us about people? And we're the opposite of all of that. <laughs> Say again. We're sinners. Yeah, by nature, that's who we are. Children of wrath. Yeah, what else it tells about people? We cannot do it on our own. We need him, yeah. Go on, Mel. We're dead. We're dead. We don't like that reality. It's not, it doesn't hold back on the truth, does it? Yeah. Anything else? What does it tell us about people? We cannot save ourselves. The whole of life is set up, isn't it? All the adverts, are say, basically, they're all saying the same thing. Save yourself. But the truth of this passage is, you can't save yourself. Life is not a self-improvement program, despite what you've been told. It's by grace of God. Yeah, anything else? We are his workmanship. We, even though we're dead, he still has created us for something. Yeah, very good. Anything else? Yeah, we, we can't hold ourselves accountable, but he will hold us accountable. Yeah, so good. Oh, this is a great, this is a great sermon. I love this message. <laughs> so, so, so good. Yeah, one more. We're created for good works. So even when we're dead, God doesn't forget our purpose for what he's created us for. Yeah, this is the chat GPT equivalent of preaching a sermon, isn't it? <laughs> Group think. So just a, just a few thoughts. Yes, yeah, so I had very similar thoughts to you. Firstly, God is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. I was reading about Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon. He has a $500 million super yacht. He is rich in a yacht. <laughs> but the truth of this is that God... 
He's rich in all of that stuff, but he doesn't want to be known to be rich in that stuff. He wants to be known as the God who is rich in mercy. Wow. You come today to the God who is rich in mercy. And it says it flows from where? From his great love for us. The picture we have, the picture I had before I knew Christ is this judgmental being who couldn't wait to blast me. And the reality is, there's a God that knows that I need judgment. That's where this passage starts. But his heart is not to judge me. His heart is to come for me to come because he loves me. So great is his love for us. So great is his love for us. There's a, a boy uh, that I knew some years ago, and he had done really, really terrible thing. And I knew about it. Everyone, all the adults around knew that he had done it and he just consistently lied. His parents desperately tried to get him to tell the truth. He would not tell the truth to the point where he just lied and lied and lied for years. And one day I was over at his parents' house and he came into the room and this is probably four years after it happened and his, I knew something was on because it was after he should have been in bed. His chin was wobbling and he just, in front of us all, just said, Dad, it was me, I did it. And he just burst into tears. But what was notable was the reaction of his father. Because to be honest, I was a bit annoyed. Because actually it had created quite a mess for a lot of people. So I was kind of angry with this kid. That was my response. But what I saw from his father was his father just wrapped him in his arms. And he just began to weep and weep. And he said, he's been carrying this for so long. He's been carrying this for so long. And what I realized is just that was the response of God. The response of God in that moment to our sin when we finally admit who we are and what we've done is to wrap us in his arms. He's been carrying this for so long. Whatever you've been carrying this morning, whether it's sin, whether it's addiction, whether it's shameful things that you've never, ever told anyone, the message of this passage is in worship this morning, run to the Father. Run to the Father. Confess your sins, the Bible says, and you will be healed. You will be healed. Second thing is we were dead in sin. We love looking at other people's sins. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, judging their sins. But the message of this passage is don't look at everyone else. Look at yourself. We were all in the same spot. We are dead in sin. And we love to justify ourselves. We love to think, no, I'm not that bad. I remember watching a, a, a movie. It was about a, a, a murderer. And it was like a true story. And that we watched the horrendous things that this guy had done. Uh, in the run-up to the murder, it wasn't just a murder, it was just horribly toxic stuff that he'd done. But anyway, before the sentencing, he was found guilty, his mother got to gave a witness statement, a character statement, and she said, but he's a good boy. And we were like, he's not a good boy. <laughs> he's not a good boy. But that's, that was a little picture, I think, of all of us, but I'm a good boy, really. You know, it's kind of all this stuff, but I'm a good boy, I'm a good girl, really. But the thing is this, God sees it all. He sees all the thoughts, he sees all the motives, he sees all, everything that we do. And his verdict on us is, you're not a good boy. <laughs> you're not a good girl. That's his verdict on us. His perfect judgment on us. Un, uh, uh, a completely objective judgment on each one of us. He says, the verdict on all of you is that you're lost, you're dead. Literally, you're dead in your sin. And you know, it's a hard message to hear. We don't like to hear it. But you know, before you hear the good news, you've got to accept the bad news. You cannot, you know, some, some um, uh, medicines that doctors want to give, the first thing they've got to do is convince the patient that they're sick. 
Because if they can't be convinced that you're sick, you'll never accept the cure. So the reality for each of us is that we've got to accept, I am sick, sick with sin. I'm lost without God. I am dead. And it's a, it's a humbling moment. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a humbling moment for each of us to accept that. But we have to because that's where we get the understanding, the revelation. By grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as the result of works so that no one can boast. Grace, what a word. It's not often used. It means undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. Caroline and I recently got the privilege of visiting a friend who has a membership to a place called Soho House. Anyone heard of Soho House? It's this exclusive kind of club. They're springing up all over the place. And you can't just go in. You know, you can't just turn up. You have to be invited by a member. You have to be on the guest list. And we got to go. And so she came and greeted us. We couldn't have got in on our own. She welcomed us in. She signed us in. She got us in. And there's no, you're not allowed to use your mobile phone when you're in there. You can't take pictures because there are famous people there. And we were there. And we got in, and before, within a few minutes, I was like, I follow that person on, on Facebook, on Instagram. <laughs> and the, our friend was telling us, and there's so-and-so, and there's so-and-so. And we didn't know. We got in. But it wasn't based on our, our doing. <laughs> we did not deserve to be there. It was undeserved favor because of our friend. She was a member. We were not. That's the message of this. Christ has come. And he said, do you want to come in? Do you want to come in? Do you want to enter in under my ticket, under my membership, into not just Soho House, into the presence of God himself, this pure and holy God? By grace you have been saved. And it says by grace through faith. Through faith in what? Through faith in what Christ has done. Whoever believes in me shall not perish, Jesus said, but have eternal life. By faith in what he's done. That's the only access ticket is just saying, Jesus. We'd have said to our friend, nah, we're going to get in on our own. She'd be like, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> security guards at the door. You're not getting in. We had to accept her invitation. That's the same with Jesus. We have to, putting faith in him says, Jesus, I accept that there's no other way I'm getting in. No one comes to the Father, Jesus said, except through me. When you accept that, then you can go in on his ticket and say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. When I stand before God, when I finally stand before God, when he says, if he says this, why, you, why do you think you should get in? Why should you have access to my presence for eternity? The only valid answer is because of what Christ has done. It's not because I prayed a lot. It's not because I read your word a lot. It's not because I gave good gifts to people. It's not because of anything else. It's because what Jesus has done for us. And you know, I just wanted to speak into something because I've heard, somebody said to me that they'd heard in a previous church that the leader said, I've, I've got more grace than you guys. And I just want to say, if you've had that teaching, that is not true. I have no more grace, because I, you know, I wouldn't even be standing on here. It's only for visibility online. I would like to stand down here. I'd like to be on the floor. I have no more grace than anyone else in the room. This could be your first time here. You have exactly the same undeserved favor from God as I do. I just want to break that teaching that leaders have got been given more grace. That's why I love to do car parking. I can't do it every other week because every other well, responsibilities, but I love to do it. Why? To model something. Because yes. I'm no better than anybody else. You should hear my story. It's by grace that we've been saved. 
not as a result of works. If I got in, if I, when I stand before God, if God said to me, why should, or the, the angel said to me, why should you get in? And I said, well, because I led a church and I helped loads of people. He was like, on your bike. You haven't understood the very message that you preached. It's by grace that you've been saved. Through faith, not by works. So what does it mean? What does it mean? You know, and there's two ditches to fall into. You know, one on one ditch, which is, this is passage, is legalism. It's where we do religious activities to try and earn God's favor. Anyone else know that? We're desperately, we're turning up to church, we're reading our Bible, we're doing all these things. We were doing religious activity to try and earn God's favor. And it's called legalism. And it's the opposite of grace. Because grace says, it's undeserved favor. I'm here because of what he has done, not because of what I have done. I mean, I used to fast, go without food to, to pray regularly every Tuesday. And to be honest, I was miserable. I mean, I was miserable. And then somebody said to me, don't fast until you can't stand not fasting. And I was like, don't stand, fast until you can't stand not fasting. Well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Great, I won't fast. <laughs> They taught me, it's by grace that you do these things. You're not earning anything from God by fasting. I was like, great, I'll never fast again. Fantastic. And then one time someone asked me to pray for them. And I prayed for them. And do you know what? When you pray for someone, you just feel like there's no power here. And I thought to myself, I need to fast. <laughs> and I started fasting again, but from a very different motivation. I wasn't trying to earn God's favor. I was doing it not for him. I was doing it for me. Because fasting doesn't do something to earn God's favor. It does something in you. That's the opposite of legalism. It's recognizing, no, I'm doing this because of, I want to fast for my sake. I want to pray for my sake. I'm not doing anything for God. He doesn't need my prayers. I'm praying for my sake. I'm reading his word not to impress him. He knows his word. I'm doing it for me because it's food for me, spiritual food. Legalism, death. By grace, you've been saved. So if you've been over that side... Don't do what you're doing until you can't stop doing it. And if your response is, well, I'll never do it again, then you were doing it from the wrong motive. That's what, you know, I was talking two times last Sunday. People came up to me and said, I've never been in a church that handles money like this church. When you say, Simon, don't give unless you want, if you don't want to give, don't give. I've never heard that before. I've been used to be manipulated to give. Pastors manipulate. I've never heard it before. I'm like, absolutely. I don't want anyone to give who doesn't want to give. Now, if you don't want to give, have a look on the inside. <laughs> Why don't you want to give? Because I want to give because of what Christ has done in me. Does that make sense? It's totally opposite. We don't, that's why we never want to manipulate people over money. If you don't want to give, don't give. Fine. God doesn't need your money. He will provide another way. But think about why don't you want to give? Because I want to give because of what Christ has done. It's a response. And then the opposite ditch to fall in is license. Wow, the grace of God. I don't need to do anything then. I won't bother to turn up to church. I won't bother to pray. I won't bother to read the Bible. I won't bother to do anything for anybody else because I'm under God's grace. It's called license and it's the equal and opposite ditch. The truth is you don't need to do anything but if you've really understood grace you'd want to do something. The Bible says it's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to sin. This is what this passage says. It, we are, as a response of grace, we then realize, wow, I am God's workmanship, created for good works. 
Grace frees me from sin, frees me from legalism, but it propels me to do good stuff. Why? Because I can. Because God has freed me to be that kind of person. Wow. So we avoid legalism, we avoid license, we live and bask in the grace of God. We don't need to do anything to please God. You have his favor. If you never prayed again, never worshipped again, never did anything again, by, and you were in Christ, you have the grace of God. But if you're in Christ, well then you're created for workmanship. You're created to do good works. He's prepared them, and they come freely out of what he has done in you. The grace of God. And so as a response to his grace, we live it out. Basking in the goodness of a father who loves us and who has merciful. And when we sin, we don't just think, oh, no, I used to sin and I would be like, oh no, I've got to make up for it, I've got to do something, I've got to pray more, I've got to, no, no, no. You get off, you, you, when you sin, you immediately come back to his grace. Thank you, Father, for your grace. His mercy is new every morning. When you find yourself doing stuff to please God, you get off and says, no, I'm not doing this to please God. He is already pleased with me. He is already pleased with me. Why? Not because of what I've done, it's because of I am in Christ. It's what Christ has done. God is calling us to be a people of his grace, to live in his grace, to share his grace with a world that thinks he either doesn't exist or that he's this mean God who wants to blast them every time they do something wrong. And we share a message of, no, he is a good father who loves you. Yeah, he wants you to deal with your sin, but he's going to help you deal with it by his grace. Amen? Why don't we worship that God? Why don't you just turn to your neighbor? Why don't you share what's one thing that you need to do differently this week as a result of the truth of Ephesians 2? What's one response? And it might be just, I'm going to worship like crazy now. What's one thing that you need to do differently?